I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Starring us in the flesh. Where we are talking about, going to be talking about, will soon be talking about, have always been talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway. um, (laughs) How many people go swimming without bathing suits in their own pool by themselves? (laughs) That's what we were talking about. That's what we said. We were talking about that. But we were talking about that also, the difference between swimming laps and just jumping in a pool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not everyone just jumps in the pool after a hike to get their dirt off like I do. (laughs) 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 You know, you need that chlorine and the chemicals to like kill all the dirt and everything. Disinfects you. Does it count as skinny dipping if it's your own pool? It's a great question. I feel like only if it's with other people. Otherwise, you're just swimming naked in your own pool. Would that still be skinny dipping? Maybe. I don't know. See, I think of skinny dipping as a nighttime activity. Oh, for sure. It's a nighttime activity. Right. Yeah, it has to be nighttime. But I don't think I would necessarily be like, because I'll probably go back in the pool later tonight. And I don't know if I'm going to be like, I'm going to go skinny dipping tonight. That feels like it's like a thing you do with people. (laughs) And it's like sneaky kind of. Well, you know what? You can sneak into your house. Yeah. Or like if some hot dude was over and I was like, hey, want to go skinny dipping? Right? Like. Could still be here. All right. Right. Yeah. So it's more of a group activity. I get it. I get it in that case. I feel like it. And in your pool right now, (laughs) that would be a really nice activity at night because you (laughs) accidentally heated it to 90 degrees. I want to say it's like 92 maybe or three. I turned it down already, but I'm not going to not take advantage of having a really large jacuzzi right now. (laughs) By contrast... My pool, I think, is about 70 degrees now on a hot day. And I jumped in and swam around today and then got out and was like, hmm, I think I'm cold. I was saying to my girlfriend, like, wow, my my fingers are tingling. Like, I think they're they're a little numb. She's like, yeah, you're freezing. Like, oh, am I? (laughs) I had no idea. It's so funny. 70 (laughs) sounds warm, but it's not for water. No, not for water. water. Yeah. Yeah, that's different. Outside being 70, that's phenomenal. Lovely. I would love that. Yeah. I'm good with that. It's lovely. Yeah. So we are going to be stepping away for a while after this episode for our, wait for it, my favorite word these last few weeks, our hiatus. (laughs) Doug and I are breaking up. That's right. No, we're not. Just kidding. Remember when we broke up? I think I was 25. You were 24. I'm just kidding. We've never broken up. (laughs) Wow. Was that a spit take? Did you just spit take? I was like, what? (laughs) Did we? (laughs) That was towards the end of my extreme drug use days and party days. So. Ah, and then perfect segue, because this is what Sarah and I were talking about. We were talking about kind of her life as a kid, not a kid kid in the cult, but coming out of it and people partying all around and, and what we did as teenagers. And yeah, I think you did uh, enough partying so for you, me and Sarah all combined. So, so, so much. So much. It was funny. She started talking about raves and Molly and oh my God, 
I just remember my first, ra- <laughs> they were undergrounds. It was before they were raves. They were undergrounds. Oh, right. Where you would get like a flyer yep. and it would tell you like the directions to go to this parking lot yep. where you would get directions where to the get, next yep, place. And- exactly. It was oh, awesome. Wow. I must've been yeah. like, I don't even know, 15 or something. I don't know. But it was a good time. It was the first time I took Molly. And the last time I took Molly was on my 25th birthday party. So now that oh, I'm wow. going to be 50 this year, should I take twice as much? <laughs> Wait, you haven't done, you haven't done ecstasy in 25 see, they years. They don't call it ecstasy anymore. MDMA. Yeah. In almost 25 years. It's been years. 25 years. Yeah. For acid and mushrooms, it's probably since I was 20, 19, 20. Coke, wow. since I was probably 25. Oh, I had a Diet Coke the other day. Crack. I had Diet Coke the other day, too. Really? I haven't had soda oh. in like 20 years. Yeah, I never, I rarely had, I had it at Disneyland because it was fucking one of those moments. The Diet Coke or the acid? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> acid, Disneyland, but I was like 15. Diet Coke the other day at Disneyland. Gotcha. I don't know. For your 50th birthday, I say... I say go ayahuasca and go on a spirit journey. Oh my God. Ugh. <laughs> no. I'm having a big gala. Aw. Probably not. That's right. Yeah. Something. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I'm sure my, my invitation's being delivered by Obviously. Pony Express, right? Dude. <laughs> um, but yes, we should listen to Sarah talk about all her drugs. Or her partying, or her, her thoughts on partying. Well, you'll see. Well, it's not as sexy as we made, yeah. made it sound. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's right. And we are what we are. We will be back with you after these messages from our sponsor. <laughs> our sponsor being us. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We were this close to just being like, eh, let's just stay here and just have an early night. Wow, nice. <laughs> Not like, you know, my brother went to a rave and they are all doing Molly and telling me all these crazy stories. I'm like, oh my God, that would probably kill me right now. Wow. At this age. <laughs> At this age. I, re- I mean, I never loved raves to begin with, even when I was young, but I can't even imagine it now. It makes me think of something and that idea of, oh yeah, I've never liked raves. I've never liked any of that. That idea of you letting loose, you know, and and it's, it's something (laughs) that we've talked about in terms of control and just being able to relax or let something else be in control, which is not comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. That idea of being able to let loose somewhere, like, I don't even know what that means for you. Yeah. Not a rave. It's not Molly. It could be. So when I was younger, don't get me wrong, I have gone to raves and I have done Molly at raves, right. but it wasn't like my best night ever. Right. You know, I was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm good now. I, I, I would like to go home. <laughs> but I think you're right. I've never been a big partier specifically for that fact. I refuse to be not in control of my own body or my own mind. You know, even when I'm drinking, which I don't do often, and if I do, it's hardly anything, because I want to always be aware and able to jump to attention if I need to. Mm. And not because I judge people for that. 
I think it's hilarious. And if that's what makes them happy, they should do it. But for me, it's, it's not a, not a happy place when I start to feel like I'm not in control of myself, Mm. myself. Mm. I want to know that I'm in control of what I'm going to do and the decisions I'm going to make and the words I'm going to say and how well I can walk a straight line, et cetera. <laughs> that may just be a pride thing, but who knows? Why, why is that so important? I don't know. It always has been important, even before I had kids. I just sort of took it on myself to be the mommy, I guess, even yeah. when I was, what, 18, 19 years old. Younger than that, you were still, I mean, you were in the cult, so there wasn't much you could do. True. Right? But you developed that yeah. early, and you carried it through, and it was just the role you knew. And it probably was comforting to be in that role, because you knew that role, and you knew you weren't going to be in trouble. You were actually making sure everybody yeah. else was okay. Please. It sticks in my head, just that idea of... When do you get to not just relax, but let loose? There's a, a mechanism for you that's been controlled for so long. Mm-hmm. Just that idea of, of loosening that, that sort of grip on control of what would happen. And it's, as we've said, not safe. So you don't do it. I actually think I missed out on a lot of cool experiences because of that fear. It's weird too, right? Because, well, obviously now I'm a year or whatever it is into therapy and I've been looking at these types of things. Right. I just always put it down to, oh, I'm just not a real partier. But who knows? I might have been. I maybe could have been. I I don't know because it's just never been something that I told myself, okay, tonight I'm getting fucked up and I don't care you know, what happened? It's just not, I laugh because it literally is funny to, for me to even think about me getting to that place. But I wish I had, especially when I was younger. Now I'd probably need like a week to recover from my one night of raving. (laughs) Right. I want to scratch at that a little bit because just going, yeah, I, I did miss out on that. I wish I had, I wish I'd been able to let go. I wish I could have done that. I wish you were in an environment where you could, but you weren't, so you didn't. It wasn't my party. So you're you're a teenager in Italy, and you're you and your boyfriend decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play shows and make a little money, and we'll get by, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Still sounds like there was a lot of survival there there wasn't like an opportunity to just party and and let loose and, and be a kid. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, there was an opportunity. I think it would have been an irresponsible decision for sure. We had no money and we were trying to leave a cold. Okay. So we're doing a show at the end of the night, we have a box full of money. Okay, so the restaurant pays you, but, you know, patrons come and give you tips. And Italians are big drinkers, so they're big tippers, you know, and especially because they we played all these old American songs. Right. So we we would have a box of, you know, anywhere from 500 to to $1,000 in lira or Swiss francs. And who was going to look out for that box until we got home? 
the boys were already getting fucked up. So I was the box lady with the key. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it, there's, I, and I can always tell you exactly why I didn't do it. But I don't like that my mentality was it has to be me. Because this is what we've been working on, right? Like, why does it have to be you? Like, you always say that to me. Well, why did it have to be you? Why did you have to do that? And probably didn't. <laughs> well, okay. I, I think a better question is why does it still have to be you? We're talking about the mentality. You had your formative years where you really did need to be in control or it wasn't going to be okay. And in control of others. If others mm -hmm. are out of line, you're going to get beaten. That wasn't okay. Yeah. So yep. you learned repeatedly in order to survive and keep myself as safe as I can be, be in control, be in control of myself, my body, the people around me. You know, it was yep. born out of trauma. So as you're getting older, why did it have to be me? Because I don't trust anybody to do it as well as I can. Because if somebody else does it, I might still suffer because of it. Your system was already built to protect you in that way. I haven't had a lot of experience with responsible people in a in a party environment or in a, a relaxed environment people will say oh yeah i'm the designated driver and i'll watch them down you know five gin and tonics right, right. well clearly you're not driving anywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's my experience with people get in that party mentality and like every human should they party and they relax and they go to have fun but when you say I'm the designated driver and you're sitting at the bar ordering drinks, that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. When I'm the designated driver, I drink water all night long because I'm responsible for driving everybody home. So, yeah, you're right. In my mind, if it's not me, there's a chance that something bad will happen. 100%. It's so historic. I'm not going to yep. take that chance. Now, and this is why I think we, we tweak the question a little bit, not to why am I like that, but it's why am I still like that? In order to really look at that, we have to look at what safe means now to you, because it's something different than what it has been historically. Yeah, and it's interesting, especially when you when I relate it, I need to start saying I instead of you. I'm talking about me. When I relate it to drugs mm -hmm. in general, drugs have always been a very kind of nervous area for me because right. when I don't know how something will affect me, my instinct is just to not try it, to not do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that's saved me from a lot of heartache as well. On the oh, flip yeah. side, I've conditioned myself to be. That's what you call your, your OCD in charge of myself and whatever situation I am in. There's a sense of needing that order around you. Yeah. Having that control around you. 
still feel like, well, and when you have that, you feel more settled. While the rest of you are chirping balls. You're right. Absolutely. And I think you let's put drugs aside for a second and just kind of go with the idea of letting loose or giving up control or feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Because I'm controlling them, I can make the, I can keep them safe. You can keep you safe, any environment. Yeah, and my kids, and right. even the right. dumbass adults around me who are getting <laughs> fucked up. Even the, really you know, a, few, a couple months ago, when I, I don't remember where you were, it was a pool party, you know, with a bunch of the kids, and you yes. were like, nobody was looking after any of the kids. I was looking after yeah. everybody, right? All the parents are getting fucked up, and there's just. 20 little kids swimming right. in a pool. They weren't. Reply what we're talking about to just life, not to a party. Sit in the corner. Right. I don't know. And that's where my super judgy side comes out because to me, I, again, like I said, I don't actually judge people for whatever they want to do. Drugs, alcohol, party, whatever. I don't care. But when you're responsible for a child, I'm sorry. But mm. any reasonable parent would draw the line. I, I'm probably the most annoying human at a party until the end. And everybody's like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And I'm just like, oh, my God, get off of me and go away. <laughs> Everybody went to an altered state and I didn't want to be there, which is OK. I wonder, though, if we can. Part of what I'm scratching at is looking for looking at are we are we bouncing from you know black to white or is it is it the not quite extremes but op i'm either in another altered state with people or i'm in a place where i'm totally let loose you know totally relaxed and all that or am i very much in control controlling everyone around me and it's kept safe and things are just so and and where's the middle? I can give you an example of where you actually let loose. You were with one of your sisters in the kitchen. So Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Were you, were you guys cooking actively? How would you describe that, <laughs> that kitchen scene? With, with my sisters and cooking, we, we all have full trust in each other's skills. We <laughs> all know what we do and we all do it and we just have fun, you know, and we have bottles of wine out and, you know, we open them, but the environment, the atmosphere is, is great. It's like my favorite day of the year. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Hearing you say we have fun. I was yeah. actively participating with everybody else in the same way. We're not talking about drinking. We're talking about being present. No. We're talking about, yep. in a sense, trust. Yes. And, you know, knowing the environment, but having that trust. Sort of I think that's the key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you totally nailed it. Cause I think that when you made that comparison, that is the difference. Hmm. The alcohol is there, but there's also the trust. I know I'm in an environment where I'm safe and they're safe and my kids are safe. There it is. That's what it, man, mm -hmm. I'm so proud of what you just did there. Yay. You, you what said, did I do? <laughs> you said I. 
You switched from we to I. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Yes, we are. Obviously. And what you just said, I feel safe. Yeah, I do. That's amazing. That's what I want to look for. When I feel safe, I can have fun. I can let loose. Doesn't matter if there's alcohol there or not. I can trust, you know, whether it's the people or the environment. When I feel safe. That's huge. <laughs> it is interesting that you pointed out the environment because right. it's true. If I went to cook with a bunch of strangers, it wouldn't feel the same way. There right. wouldn't be that same sense of fun and party and relax. So you have that experience in an environment. It comes from you actually being able to somehow tell yourself, I am safe. And you're not hypervigilant about everything, about yep. safety, about control, about that. You actually can chill out. It comes from you. Part of it is trust that things will work out the way they're supposed to. And part of it is knowing even if it doesn't, I'm still safe. I might feel like I'm not safe, but I am safe. I'm totally seeing all the things and and thinking of all the, the, I don't know, outside stressors that come with being outside of my safe environment where I don't have to care what people are saying about me or, or, you know, what's going on around me. I don't have to feel like I need to jump up and get involved. If I hear someone saying, oh, we don't know how to make this work and this is not happening. I I don't hear any of it. So I don't care. In general, it's just a much different headspace compared to how I feel at the end of the day. Right. I don't feel hyper and Like I need two hours just to relax before I can think about falling to sleep. Don't get me wrong. I'm just as busy. And I have Zoom calls all day and people coming at me all day, just like when I'm in the office. But there is definitely a a piece that I feel in my, in an environment where I'm not affected. Yes. Okay. By other people. Okay. So now I'm going to give you the grand example of environment because <laughs> I, I feel you here. I really do. It's not going to magically change, but we can acknowledge it and see it, build our awareness, and it can shift somewhat. My, my old dog, Franklin, we used to go camping in the Sierras and it was amazing. We would like hike five miles in, disappear for a weekend. Nobody around us. Nobody. Like I, I would go kind of this offshoot place by, by a lake. It was beautiful, amazing. The entire weekend I would be there, didn't put the leash on him at all. And he could chase a deer. I didn't care. If there was a bear there, we're both fucked. But, you know, sure. <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> it, it was more like that sensation of, I don't have to worry about, is somebody going to yell at me for having a dog off leash? I don't care yeah. what he's going to get into. I mean, we can go in. There's no picking up the poop, right? Whatever. We're I'm pooping on the ground. Who cares? Like it's great, right? <laughs> exactly. 
And I was so relaxed and it was so wonderful to see him in his natural habitat, sort of. Yeah. But it was mine too. And I had this sensation of, ah, that hypervigilance is off. I had no cell reception in there. I tell you, being out there, um, I wasn't safe. I could have been attacked by a bear. Like, who knows? You know, if my stove didn't work, I'm not going to eat. You know, like, there, things could have happened. Sure, I felt yeah. that hypervigilance switch was off. Off. Cool. Right? Yep. What do you think as I'm describing that? It's cool because I love camping in mm. the middle of nowhere. In a tent. It's it's my favorite thing. I used to do it by myself with my kids. Just pack the car with the tents and the little stove and like one pot, one pan. Right. Right. Just go. Right. And it's yep. some of yep. my like happiest memories. So much physical labor work, you know, <laughs> just getting to the site. Oh yeah. Setting it all up. <laughs> You know, take it, but it's just, I still felt just like you said, like it's, it's different. I totally get it because I love that remote middle of nowhere camping is like, love it. For the last 90 seconds, you look at ease. Like you, you, I mean, you're shining right now. You lit up. I, I love it. If I could do it all the time, I would. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's, okay. Here's something. I'm going to use a word to describe it a little bit and say that it puts you in a meditative place. It puts you in a place where hypervigilance is off. Even being there with your kids, you're Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. We're just in the middle of nature. Yeah, we can tap into this. Because that where you just went in your mind, you're not camping right now. You're at home. So we can tap into this. You know, what you were just feeling, I could see what you were feeling. (laughs) What What did you feel as we were talking about that? Just the last couple minutes here. Just all the happiness. It's... It's, it's for sure my favorite, my favorite thing. And I think because of how I feel while I'm doing it, because like I said, it's not because I'm not doing anything and just being lazy. I'm working my ass off, but I've never felt more happy. I've never slept more soundly than on camping trips. We're (laughs) going to find the camping in your mind. We're going to be able to tap into this. We're going to be able to touch it every now and then because it, it's a place for you where hypervigilance is off. It's a place for you where you know I am safe. And I think for me, safe is from other humans. Like, sure, I worry about being safe from, you know, nature or bears or a flash sure. flood. But again, those are, those are never worries that have consumed me. Right. Like other humans. Whether it's malintent or not, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think of ex-husband. I think of 
you know, your old boss that put pregnant you in the basement. I, I think of, you know, sometimes all the cult people, all the cult people, <laughs> you know, a lot of people with power over you, with control over you to some degree. Mm-hmm. It's tense. It's not safe. We don't have that sensation. And yeah. when you're away from that, all right. Because the idea of well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, ex-husband can get his high-priced lawyers to take my kids away. That's scary. Not while I'm camping, he can. That's right. <laughs> and that's why I want to be able to touch that, get to that place, so that we don't carry that hypervigilance around everywhere. It will wear you out. It already has. Yep. That's where the panic attack comes from. As I was writing you that email, I was in a state of like panic mode, right? I'm sure you could hear it from my, I, I don't know. But I knew when I sent that, I was like, oh my God, he's going to tell me to calm down. And sure enough, you were like, just breathe. <laughs> we haven't gotten too deep into memories and things. We, we touch on it a little bit here and there. Right. But that, when, when they just said it in the meeting, you have to wear your mask at your desk. I can barely go grocery shopping. I, I, I have to ask boyfriend to go in because right. I can put my mask on maybe five minutes and then I feel like I can't breathe. And I'm just like, <gasps> and so when I was writing you that, I was like, I have this memory of getting our faces duct taped. And I was like, again, with these memories that just, or these, these flashes of things that come to me and I'm like, I, I know I'm not making this up, but you know, there's always a question in your mind when you've had trauma or abuse that you've sort of pushed down. You think, did that really happen? Right. Or did I just, oh, you know, overreact? And then right. over the years. So I asked my sister, I said, did I, did I like make that up in my head or did they duct tape our faces before they threw us in those things? And she was like, oh yeah, no. You guys, and, and she was like, and, and they would wrap it fully around your head. It, it's starting to, just that instance is starting to make a lot of sense to me about my boundaries, like my personal Absolutely. boundaries. Yeah. I feel my heart starting to kind of beat a little faster and I have to take deeper breaths mm. and I've never really known why. You're right. Those memories are huge, incredibly impactful. And of course, you are hypervigilant about safety. Of course, you were incredibly traumatized yeah. as a kid yeah. for an extended period of time. So trust, nope. Safety, I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> where do you feel it? Camping in the middle of nowhere with no one around me. I don't care if a bear gets me. I can handle a bear. <laughs> totally. right? In my in my mind, I literally would probably say that to myself. I'd rather face down a bear than have to deal with that shit from what well, humans. Yeah, for, and I, I'd say from Berg, from HR, from ex husband. 
Absolutely. A judge. Any of that stuff. It's scary. We have a, a benchmark now of having no duct tape on me, being free, out, out yep. camping. I love that we were able to touch that. And we'll touch it more because there's something wonderful about that freedom. For now, just be aware of I am safe. I might not feel safe, but I am safe. And just see how that, how that feels and fits. Thanks, Doug. And we're back. We are back. And she really just jumps straight into the rave and the molly and the... <laughs> I mean, sort of. She and I do talk a little bit before. Oh, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, she was talking about having just a ridiculous week. and She was talking about currently, right, that she was with her brothers and they were all at a rave and taking Molly. Was she at the rave too? I don't think she was. Okay. I don't think she was there because she was saying like, oh, my God, at this age, I can never do that. I can't even stay out that late. I just wasn't sure if she was just there and didn't take Molly. I didn't. I wasn't sure. But either way, I was like, yeah, yeah. Getting loose. Come to think of it, I think she did go because I think one of her brothers or cousins was like, eh, I'm going to call it an early night. Let's just, you know, let's not. And the other one was like, no, let's go. Let's go. And that's what kind of brought her back to the idea of like, I can't do what I used right, to do, like right. go out all night. And But I think she was not partaking in the Molly. Oh, no, right. no, no. Which we're not condoning drugs and we're not judging them. Just so you guys know. No, you do you, we'll do us. Yeah, as long and, as you're safe. You know, some of you will do each other. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you stay safe, that's right. But yeah, as far as Sarah goes, she even said, like, I, wasn't, I was never a party girl, which is funny. I think she and I have talked about several times, and you and I have talked about this too, the Amish documentary, Devil's Playground, mm -hmm. where they go on Rumspringa and they yeah. just go nuts because they've been kept away from society for so long, and then they just go absolute nuts and out of control. Were they like snorting coke off of each other's stomachs? <laughs> <laughs> That's the PG-13 version of what you actually said and we cut out. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great recovery. Um, no, no, they weren't going nuts. Uh, and that was kind of the, the point, though, was Sarah talking about She's never judged anybody for yeah, doing that. Yeah, She's yeah. always been like, yeah, do what you want to do. But for her, it's funny. It, it's sort of how we segue into the session, into the meat of the session. Right. That she's talking about all this and going like, oh, I think it's great. People can do this. And, you know, not when they're sloppy drunks or not when they're doing right. this, but, you know, when they're just having fun and that's cool. But not me. I need to be in control. I can't do that. Right. Boom. There we go. Yeah. Control issue. Totally. And I, so I was listening to the whole thing and I was like, yep, that's me. I relate. Yep. 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 I, that's <laughs> what, and I've talked about on here before. The reason why, like, I would love to try and do some kind of drug again, like mushrooms or something, smoke weed, but I'm such a control freak. She said like, I don't want to try anything that I don't know how my body or how I will react or right. what will happen. Right. Or, and she's that person who if I want something done right, then I have to do it myself. Well, and part of that was the consequences when she didn't do it herself were severe. That's why we, right. we went back to the trauma a minute into that, like as we started talking about this. But I, I think there were two issues, that idea of being in control. And she said, you know, I'm not in a happy place when I'm not in control of myself, right. which is sort of what you're saying. The other thing that she said was that she took it upon herself to be the mommy, right. you know, even at a young age. 
and I mentioned that she had to be in control so that nobody was harmed and, and no exactly. harm came to her or right. anything like that. Because you know, if you're doing it yourself, like, oh, okay. If I'm doing it myself, I'm like, well, then I know that it's going to be done and it's going to be done right. And this person will be safe. But if I have to trust that other person over there, eh, we're not sure. You know, it's funny because she was saying like, why did that have to be me? You know, why couldn't I just do it like that and do what somebody else does and, and just kind of try that. And that's something that, I mean, there were two cool things, one of which I'm sure you'll hit in a second, but when she connected it to her trauma mm-hmm. and we were able to see that, I think that was really cool. Yeah. The second thing, I don't know if you caught this, I'm sure you did. And she was talking about, yeah, why am I still like that? Yeah. Yeah. She said, I, I, not you. I need to work on saying I, I wrote it down. I was like, hee hee. Right. That was awesome. Do you remember me saying that to her last week? Totally. And this is one of those things that she caught herself. To me, this goes to partly my style of therapy, but partly the insight that Sarah has and the work that we've been doing. Again, we're like maybe eight, nine months into her therapy. It's not that long. Right. So for her to catch something that we talked about the week before on her own and just go, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, why am I saying you? I want to start saying I. This right. is my experience. She's right. taking ownership of her experience. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny because when you guys first started talking about this, in my mind, I was like, yeah, but like you literally left the cold, I don't know, 15 and moved to Europe and played in a band in bars and shit. And I was thinking that is crazy. That is like letting loose. And then when you guys start talking about it and realizing, oh no, she's the lady with the cash box at the end of the night with the (laughs) key. And she's the one like keeping everybody in line. And so it, even then it was still, no, this is survival. Like this is not just a party. The guys were partying, she said, but not her. Again, it was that idea of what keeps her safe. What keeps her safe is control. Her being in control, her controlling others. Remember how when we when we were starting out in therapy with her, or when I was, that you were hearing that over-enunciated thing, that thing that sounded like OCPD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, where she was trying to control everything around her. Oh, yeah. It's born out of this. Right. It's born out of it's not safe. So even doing that at work, we're nothing, you're not going to get tortured at work. I mean, we might joke and be like, oh my God, I had so much work to do. Right. They dumped so much on me, you know, at my desk and it's torture. Like, okay, but this is somebody who grew up in actual torture. Yeah. And I think when she hit on the idea that it's humans, other people that are not safe for her completely makes sense when you brought up the camping and Franklin and I was like, oh my God, she loves camping too. Yay. Right. Yeah, you guys. Oh, that was that was so great. And in all honesty, I don't remember if that's something we had touched on before or not. If Sarah and I had talked about I don't camping. think we've ever heard you guys talk about it. I'm not sure if you guys ever had off Yeah, and like little chit chat. I don't know if I mentioned like she says, How was your day? I was like, Oh good. We had a nice hike this morning. She might go, Oh God, I love that. Yeah. I didn't necessarily log it unless it was somewhere in my unconscious mind. But telling her that story, it was so cool working with her. Like I wish we were in person, but our session was over Zoom. I could see that she was changing. She was getting into the story. You know, you're telling a story and you can tell that you've got a, not just an audience that's hinging on your every word or at the edge of their seat, but getting into it. You could see their face changing. I could see her face changing. She was really digging it. And that was so cool that she was like, yes, that's the kind of environment that I thrive in and I want to be there. And you know what you said, Mary, it was totally about, I'm not afraid of getting mauled by a bear. I'm just afraid of the other humans around. You know, you brought up, well, yeah, there's 
your ex-husband, there's HR, there's freaking Berg, you know, the leader of the cult. There's the cult leader, yeah. all of these people. And that, of course, that makes sense. It's not safe. And then she talked about when she was at Thanksgiving at her sister's that, for example, right, she right. can yep. feel safe and like, not necessarily lose control, but just chill and have fun. Let that guard down. Right. Let that hypervigilant state of being right. down. I think of the kitchen with her sisters as a place where she can let the guard down. What was really cool in this session to hear from her, like, oh, yeah, that's my happy place. I just doubled down on that. Like, okay, cool. We've got your happy place. This is where you're safe. This is it. This is what we're going to tap into. I wrote down because I think you said it. Find the camping in your mind. Yes, exactly. Because that's, and I said, you know, we've got the benchmark now. Right. Right. We've, we've got the frame of reference. You away from humans feeling safe. Yes, that's your happy place. We're, we're going to find the camping in your mind. Like that's what we need to do. And that's sometimes what mindfulness and meditation is all about is putting yourself in that frame of mind because you have that frame of reference. Right. What was really cool is as we're doing that towards the tail end of the session, she makes the link to what it was like to have duct tape over her mouth so sad it was like killed me poor thing yeah i guess it came up they told her she had to wear a mask at her desk yeah she'd emailed me she made reference to the email that she sent me in a state of panic and yeah she got a notice from work that and this is kind of coming back from pandemic not where we were now it's about a year or so ago and they were saying you need to come into the office and wear a mask all day all day Hell and no. that was something that freaked her out. And she, you know, was like, oh my God, I can't do this. And she wrote to me saying, you know, is there a way that I can get out of this? Cause I'm legit freaking out about it. And she kind of had to figure out why is she freaking out so much? And she knew like, it's because I had duct tape over my mouth and that's something that they did to us in the cult. So to cover my mouth with a mask for like a few minutes to run into a grocery store to pick right. up the kids, fine. But to wear it for like an eight hour day, I can't do that. No. And she said she had this like weird flash, like memory and had to ask her sister and they like wrapped it around their fucking head. Like, oh, oh, yeah. It was not just like a a little piece of tape put over. You're right. She did have to ask her sister because that was something that for her, she constantly has this thought of like, wait, did this really happen? Right. Making this up? Right. A little bit of dissociating, a little bit of just trying to distance yourself from it. Yeah. And... And there is an element of this where she's going, wait, I'm a survivor. How am I not like, what's going on? Am I making this up? Did that really happen? Right. And her sister was like, oh yeah, no, it was bad. Horrible. I love the line that she said that thinking about that, she said that instance is starting to make a lot of sense to me about my boundaries, you know, my personal boundaries. Right. And that was amazing. This is where she's starting to make a connection to... What happens to her in real time now, like getting that notice from work, mm-hmm. what gets triggered because she's had a traumatic upbringing and where she could kind of set her boundaries and go, wait, I can't do that. Okay. And she could feel like the heart beating faster and, and the breath going and, and okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Hang on. I need a boundary around this. I right. can't do this. Let me, let me reach out to Doug. Let me do something like I, huh. and that's where I think the idea of going to that camping in your mind place 
comes in is how do you combat an anxiety attack like that or a panic attack? Sometimes it's put yourself in a different place. Right. Or remember that where you are is actually present and safe and okay. It seemed like just talking this out and her having these sort of epiphanies was just awesome. Yeah, I love this for her. To me, this was such a liberating session for her and such a big one for me as the therapist because I go, wow, now we've got this benchmark for what it's like to find your happy place, to be in that, that camping in your mind. And we have her making the connection of, oh, my traumatic upbringing and the things I get triggered by, this is part of why I need to have boundaries. Right. It's going to be so empowering from here on out for her. Right. It's wonderful. Yay, you. Thank you. And it's something very yeah. cool for me as the therapist and for her as the client. And I can tell you guys, you know, so you don't have to wait till we come back from hiatus and don't have to wait a year. I'm a year ahead of where you guys are hearing right now. So where she is in a year is amazing to hear the growth and what she's done. It's fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure she'll listen to this session or this episode and think back to, right, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that a year ago, that's what I was saying, and that's huge. And now I can do this. Like it's, yeah, I'm, I'm actually excited to talk to her after she hears this. I'm excited too. Can't wait to hear what her thought is on that. You will just have to wait because we are going on our hiatus for a while. We're hiating. We're hiating. We'll still be around on social media. You can find us there. Just search for Your Mental Breakdown. I'm sure we're on everything still. <laughs> the Instagram, the TikTok, the, the Twitter, the truth. No, no, not truth. <laughs> all, all of it, but that. <laughs> yeah. And we would love to hear from you guys and hear how your hiatus is when we leave you for a long time. <laughs> for so long. We'll be back. <laughs> Speaking of so long, so long. Bye. Bye.